This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Now, at this moment in time, there's still a lot of misinformation floating about as far as what this vaccine process entails, who can or who can't go and get the vaccine. And we have recognized the need to quell a few myths as it pertained to this vaccine. The first way we are going to do this is to employ the expertise of Mr. Bert Rodriguez, who is the CEO of Biodex, who is joining us here on the COVID report to chat further about what his company uh, does, as well as his expertise on the vaccine rollout here in South Africa. Mr. Rodriguez, can you please start by explaining to our listeners why Biodex was founded as a company and what your core operations entail. Thank you so much for the opportunity to discuss the subject. So Biodex Biological Chemical Technology was founded in 2004 through a government-funded project and program uh, to support and sustain entrepreneurs in biotechnology, which was a brainchild of Tabo Mbeki's government, I suppose, uh, to implement incubators throughout South Africa to support te- technology developers, specifically in the biotechnology field. It was very new back then. I suppose it's still a very young industry today uh, compared to tire manufacturing, for example. But nevertheless, we we 30 years down the line. And the need for bringing about the technologies that Biodex has developed was the market already in the late millennium uh, towards the late mid-90s to late 90s was already experiencing challenges of bacterial um, inefficiency, especially in hospitals where disinfectants were not able to really deal with bacteria that were rising in those environments. abated and uncontrolled, Um, we had a a number of uh, cases in South Africa where people died in hospitals due to uh, bacteria that were out of control. They were called superbugs back then. Now, it wasn't just particular to South Africa. It was worldwide. But the market needed to move away from uh, chemical products that weren't effective against bacterial and, I suppose today, viral control because it would give people uh, a false impression of security. And it was also contributing towards many uh, problems with water around these uh, institutions. So Biodex, and of course the the environmental movement was starting uh, to gain serious traction in the early 90s. And then all types of beautiful woods appeared like sustainable, green, Uh, environment-friendly. So we coined a number of terms to demonstrate the direction we needed to take with chemicals. Um, And we adopted the new concepts of how do we make a modern chemical for modern society, which is uh, sustainable, which is uh, environment-friendly, which is environment compatible. So we approached Igoli Bio, which was, is a biotechnology incubator. We submitted our ideas about a disinfectant in biotechnology. Um, Igoli Bio approved it based on compounds profile being so much better than what already existed. 
and we got our first 40,000 rand grant from the Department of Science and Technology in 2005. And then from there on, we just successfully uh, progressed to do the early research and development of the product at the CSIR. Then we progressed to get the product compliant according to the South African laws for chemicals and disinfectants, which is the NRCS registration, as well as South African Bureau of Standards compliance. And that, of course, um, was a lengthy period of time, but it brought us all the way to 2015 when we were able to finally, uh, by 2016, launch a product into the market. So that's really where Biodex came from and, and why it was founded. Insightful stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Bert. Now, from your observations in your field of expertise, what do you make of the vaccine rollout that has commenced at this advanced stage in our fight against this pandemic. And when you factor in the pace at which the vaccines are being rolled out here in South Africa, as well as in other parts of the world, how long do you see us having to wait before the the entire world, the entire world's population or a significant portion of the world's population enough to achieve that, um, that, that elusive herd immunity? How long do you think we'd have to wait before we get to that point across the globe? Um, so to answer that question, Game, the amount of time it would take to vaccinate a population, um, it's going to allow your listeners to stretch their minds with a little couple of numbers and a graph or two. I'm going to beg a few things for you to let your mind run wild and see what you think how long it would take. So, uh, you know, it's like the old saying, if you ask an accountant, uh, an engineer, or uh, what is one plus one, you'll get two different answers. The engineer will say one plus one is two, and the accountant will say, well, what do you want it to be? So that old joke, I suppose, comes into play. But let me peg a few things down for you to give you an idea of how long it would take possibly take to vaccinate the world. So let's take three countries as, as numbers to peg on a graph. If we start with Ireland, Ireland's got a population of 4.9 million people. Um, they are a country within borders of the United Kingdom. We could say they are fairly organized to get the vaccine. Small population, uh, they've got the money to pay for it. They could go for it. Uh, Israel is another example that we're going to peg down. They've got a population of 9 million people. They also have uh, a fairly controlled border regime, and they are also in a financial position to deal with uh, the purchase of the vaccine. And then let's take our own country, South Africa. We have a population of about 57 million people, and we are not that well isolated, but we are borders are well controlled to the point that we can regulate the population. Financially, we're not in the same position. So Israel's uh, numbers for you to start putting on a peg, their 9 million population, they have now, they started vaccinating on the 19th of December. So that is uh, two and a half months ago. They have already, as of yesterday, they have already successfully vaccinated 50% of the population. Ireland, so it's taken them, let's say, three months to vaccinate 4.5 million people. Uh, 
and it is currently the most effective rollout plan in the world. Ireland started their planning in November last year. They have got the rollout plan complete, and they expect to start uh, their rollout vaccine uh, next month. And they will pop. They will probably vaccinate. Or the, the challenge is to vaccinate uh, 1.1 million people per month. South Africa, we have 57 million population. Our program started um, developing last year, uh, also in November. We have, at this point, managed to um, vaccinate since the 23rd of Feb, 41,000 people. So. How long would it take to populate the world? Let's start with our own backyard. So our short history is we have, in South Africa, vaccinated 13,936 people per day. So if you were to work that out to our population, it would take us 11 years to vaccinate our South African population. If you take Israel, which is the best case scenario, it will take them six months to vaccinate their population. So the number of people on the planet that need to be vaccinated is only enough to reach herd immunity. But if you were to try and pen it on a timeline game, um, we anything, it would definitely be 10 years plus, in my opinion. So... A decade, according to the expert opinion of our guest at this time here on the COVID report, Mr. Bert Rodriguez, CEO of Biodex. Now, Bert, can you talk us through the responsibilities or precautions that come within the two weeks waiting period of the vaccine to kick in that people who decide to go out and uh, find an outlet that has the vaccine and take the vaccine as their bid to fight, to to aid to the fight against this pandemic. And I I, I guess also as an opportunity to clarify to many of the listeners who might still not be entirely sure of the difference between a vaccine and a cure, because I've noticed a worrying trend that uh, many uh, many people within society seem to seem to label the vaccine as a cure that will magically wipe COVID nineteen away. So while we while we talk through the responsibilities and precautions um, that vaccine takers have to take should they decide to take the vaccine, can we also um, take this opportunity to to bust a few myths about this vaccine? Well, game, um, you know. We are all privileged to the same information of what is going on with the vaccines in the world. The media you read is the media I read. But the myth doesn't really exist. There is no myth about the difference between a vaccine and there's a cure and there's any of this. There's no myths. There's a couple of statistics that we have um, that demonstrate the vaccine is not 100% guaranteed. It is not 100% effective. We don't have enough data to be able to make a call on what the vaccine itself is doing because it's too short a period of time. Uh, We have only had the vaccines available to us since, I suppose, November, December 2020. 
and we simply don't have enough data to make a claim that the vaccine is guaranteed or not guaranteed. But based on the information we have, it's the best option we have. And the vaccine that the South African population uh, has is 85% uh, effective, the claim from the manufacturer. So within the two weeks of you getting vaccinated and waiting to see, first you've got to wait and see, are you part of the 15% that the vaccine is not effective against? So you need to know this, both for the pharmaceutical companies to adjust uh, formulas and improve on the vaccine. And secondly, for you to not be a spreader uh, of the disease because you think you may be protected. So that myth is not a myth really, it is just a scientific fact. Now I know that a, a chunk of the population has many reservations around uh, the, the, the vaccine and does it work, doesn't it work, do we get it, don't we get it, um, is it going to help, isn't it going to help. I'm afraid we'll have to stick to the science that we have and that's the numbers I've, I've put to you game. Additionally to that, um, you cannot really, uh, during those first 10 days or so that you've received the vaccine, uh, be running around and exposing yourself to the danger of the virus still contaminating you. There have been cases reported where vaccinated people have, not many, I must be honest, and it's coming out of uh, England, that uh, short period, three to four weeks after a person was vaccinated, they did get infected. So after you have been vaccinated, you will have to be careful uh, for those first 10 days, I suppose. And those are mainly the two um, factors you need to keep track on before you know, did the vaccine work on you and didn't it or didn't it work on you? And if it did, then I suppose you form part of the statistics. As far as a cure goes, game, um, a flu, let's take our current normal flus that come around every year. So is COVID going to be one of those type of flus that come around every year and you'll have to get vaccinated every year or not? Uh, we have the current flu, been around for years. Many people get vaccinated yearly not to get the flu during the course of the year, many people don't. But if you do get the flu, you do go to your doctor and the doctor will prescribe uh, a range of pharmaceuticals to you and you will take go home, take those uh, pharmaceuticals and you should be okay within a period of five to seven days. If you're not, you can go back, they can upgrade your treatment, you can go to antibiotics, but we can effectively cure the flu. We have a death rate every year uh, for that same flu. So will the cure, f the cure for COVID uh, be available to us? Uh, please, God, um, we would think that the pharmaceutical companies are working much harder to come up with a list of medicines to treat us going forward and not just working on the vaccine. So the cure is not the vaccine itself. The vaccine is preventing you from getting sick and the cure is once you are sick, can you get the doctor to prescribe you the medicine to get healthy again? So that um, 
distinction of the two should be clearly held in our in our minds. And game, we have been taught ever since we were born by our parents how not to get the flu. We are aware of this, and this will be no different. We haven't had enough time expire between the virus appearing and today uh, to be able to observe sufficient um, behaviors of the vaccine on humans to be able to make uh, claims of long term. But we do not have to do that now because we don't have that information available. So no use trying to think, is COVID going to stay around for 10 years? Or is COVID um, going to be limited to certain areas, certain times of the year? We will have to wait and see again. Wait and see indeed. Now, Bert, over the course of our fight against this pandemic, we have seen this virus change form. It used to be a time where the general consensus was that the people most at risk of transmitting and spreading this disease to each other were adults and children were viewed to be not uh, much cause for concern as far as their own um, abilities to spread uh, the virus. Then we got wind of a new variant that apparently did not discriminate as far as age is concerned, whether you were young or old, if you had this variant of the virus, then you could absolutely spread it. You could absolutely uh, be a carrier of the virus. Now, when it comes to this vaccine rollout, is this vaccine safe for children to take? And what further measures and precautions have been put out for children to refrain from carrying out the spread of this virus? in addition to the call to sanitize and to social distance? Game, yeah. Um, Children. Thank God they're resilient and they really don't prescribe to the same weaknesses as grown people. Uh, And children have, the statistics around children are good. Uh, the biggest challenge with children getting infected throughout the COVID through uh, the first variant and the second variant uh, has been the resilience of children to get through this. Um, of course, people have spoken widely about uh, the risk of a child bringing the virus home. But that is directly related to um, the practices you have within the disinfecting of your environment. You mentioned hand sanitizing disinfection. And of course, um, that does play a very big role in the components that you need to bring to the game to beat COVID or not get infected. So the virus hasn't, so uh, it doesn't, it doesn't change a form as such. The virus is the virus. It's still SARS-CoV-2. It has changed in variants, so it has made it far more um, contagious. And the contagion is what has uh, increased from the regional virus to the current variant. The death rate has not really increased in percentage, so it's not more deadly, uh, but it is infecting more. And the previous one 
was, or the first round of COVID did infect a lot of adults and not a lot of children. So this current variant is in, infecting children because it is that more contagious, but it has not uh, increased the death rate around children and youth are of course still very resilient to it. Um, the And of course, the carrier, as you mentioned, um, that is the contagion part of the virus that just will keep uh, infecting. As far as, uh, you know, keeping your environment safe, keeping yourself safe, disinfection uh, has been one of the main leading uh, weapons against the war. But we we keep forgetting that your biggest, sharpest weapon against this is avoid touching your face. We've known this for a long time. We've known it from the beginning. The virus will infect you through your nose, nose your mouth, your ears, your eyes. So avoid that. It's always been the principal tool to fight this pandemic. Uh, then, of course, health comes through hygiene as well. So we have government and private companies have spent a lot of time and people like yourself in the media who keep reinforcing the subject on how to stay safe. So your environment is really critical. Uh, and we are seeing now statistically that many of the companies that have a workforce that is on site, that are practicing uh, effective surface disinfection as well as uh, hand and personal hygiene, they have done the best statistically in preventing the spread of the virus. So what can people really uh, do is we are a year down the line with this game and we have had a lot of time to have a look at what is working, what is not working. Uh, I read in the newspaper yesterday um, that the South African Bureau of Standards has put out a new list of hand sanitizers. And on that list, they've included a list of banned ingredients. So it's taken the South African Bureau of Standards uh, this period of time to do help keep the South African population safe. And they have now put out a list to say there's a couple of items that you really have to be careful with. They might kill you. So these things don't happen overnight, but you can see that the effort being made in the whole country through all the departments contributes to the holistic solution of the problem. And now people have to go back and have a look at what have they done over the last year. And I'm going to talk particularly about chemicals here and biological disinfectants because I'm not a medical doctor. So let me stick to my knitting. Um, when you buy a disinfectant for your surface, which is taking care of your environment, if that product is not compliant with the South African Bureau of Standards and with our local national compulsory specifications registrar, which is a law in South Africa, you must register all disinfectants. If you don't, that means your government and our government have not been able to assess the dangers of the product you are selling. So you could just as well not be disinfecting and preventing uh, the COVID spread. And number two, which is even worse, 
you could be exposed to fumes that could kill you. So the law is, and the regulator is, putting out information to guide people to stay safe. And at Biodex, we have been very pedantic to put out data to the public that shows the efficacy of a disinfectant against COVID and how long it lasts and how safe you are. So if you find a product on a shelf that contains an active ingredient like Be Bioactive, that is guaranteed that your environment, tables, chairs, walls, doors, knobs, computers, laptops, telephones, everything that's a hard surface, you're guaranteed not to have the virus on that surface. So that is uh, the part of your environment. Then there's the physical part. Hand washing is the best. And if you're going to wash your hands on a regular basis, just with soap and water, you will be okay. However, we can't be under the tap all the time. So sanitizers are filling the gap of hand hygiene. Be sure you are using a reputable brand. Be sure that you go to the website and you have a look at the certification that the South African Bureau of Standards has approved the product, which tells you as the consumer you can use it and it's not going to kill you. Make sure that you find a registration of the NRCS, which says the product has been tested. It's not going to give you cancer. You're okay. So your government has done its bit to regulate the chemical compounds that you're going to use, both on your hard surfaces, like be bioactive, or on your hands, like Altus Biologics hand sanitizer. We've had a year. You can go back, have a look at what has worked, what hasn't worked. But the South African population is getting very informed very quickly about what is working, what isn't working. And I think over the next uh, six to eight months, it will just uh, become a far more uh, controllable spread of disease because of people's information and ability to Indeed, indeed, Bert. Thank you very much for that insight. Now, perhaps from, perhaps permeating from a place of pessimism, there is a certain sector of society that has fears surrounding the rollout of this vaccine. And within the South African context, there's a, there's a certain sector of society that fears that um, our, our leaders will find a way to mess this rollout, this vaccine rollout up. They'll find a way to mismanage. They'll find a way to mess things up to such a degree that uh, terrible things like uh, fake vaccines being sold on uh, the black market or the vaccines themselves being sold on the black market. What measures are being put in place to secure the integrity and the validity of the vaccines that are being rolled out? What sort of security measures are being placed to ensure that no such uh, thievery and no such scamming of uh of, of people in society in regards to this vaccine can take place. And for, for the benefit of those who are looking to go out and find a vaccine, what should they look out for to 
be able to confirm the validity and the, 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 the true nature of the vaccine that they'll be taking. That, of course, is a very, uh, that's a conversation that would take us hours to debate on a very long podcast around uh, our leaders and corporate South Africa's ability um, to do their jobs. We, as population, um, have become very skeptical uh, with very good reasons. Uh, The last 12 years, 15 years have been absolutely scandalous around how uh, government has dealt with um, its obligations to the population. Um, We are currently facing a very difficult challenge in South Africa uh, on what does our political and judiciary and commitment to compliance to the law look like going forward. Um, We as citizens are led by government and we are led by corporate South Africa. The pessimism, I suppose, um, has its anchors quite solid in the ground. Uh, As you've mentioned, the South African citizens have become accustomed Uh, to receiving very little and paying a lot of money. So is it going to be different with a vaccine? I don't, I can't answer that game because I don't work for government. I'm not privileged to sit in their meetings and see what their local strategies look like. How do those have to fit into the global strategies um, and what is accessible to the South African government? Because we are dealing with it local, but it's a global solution. And that brings around uh, many unknowns to us as public, because we only get what is published in the media, and we uh, obviously have to read the same news that the whole the government reads and we read. Is the government going to stand up to be counted here? Well, there is certainly uh, a lot happening with the South African population and the choices of what does our tomorrow look like because of the current challenges that we're facing. And you've pointed pointed out a few um, that our leaders will find a way to mess it up. Um, You know, they, the leaders of this country, uh, have not shown us that they can actually see a program from beginning to the end without having problems along the way. Our rollout timetables are very seldom on time. Our deliverables and commitments are very seldom met according to the plans. So it does bring about uh, a certain amount of anxiety into our population, which does not help allay the fear that you will be able to get vaccinated and be safe. So is it going to um, be regulated and are the vaccines going to be real? Are they going to be false? This is Africa and our ability to police and regulate uh, controlled items has over the years waned. So registers are not kept uh, 
to the detail that they should with lethal products like this. And when I say lethal products like this, if you take a chemical compound that is not regulated and it is uh, extremely dangerous, like plutonium, you could kill a lot of people. Now, with a vaccine, it's not quite the same. But if the vaccines are falsified, if the vaccines are diluted, you would have to have a purposeful team of people to go and purposefully um, deceive the population of South Africa. That would, I believe that would be a criminal offence because it is a criminal offence to dispense an unregulated product without uh, the correct consent. Apart from um, that, I don't believe that uh, we would be able to do much about it. What I can say is do not buy anything on the black market. It could be water. Do not buy anything from an unlicensed, unlicensed uh, distributor of the product in South Africa. And it is very regulated in South Africa. Very specific places have been selected and only those places will be dispensing the vaccine. So based on that, I have quite a bit of, um, I want to go in the opposite direction of pessimism. So I suppose I have quite a bit of faith that the centers that have been to, uh, um, put in place to dispense um, the vaccine are regulated by government, and I believe they are very well controlled. The reason I believe people should not have too many fears about products on the black market is simply that the vaccines aren't freely available in the world. So it would be very difficult for anyone right now, whether you're government, politician, or corporate citizen, it would be very difficult for you to get access to any kind of vaccine. And that is, I suppose, the safety limit we as citizens would have. Register through an authenticated uh, uh, program. At the moment, they are government programs. Register, get in line when you get the SMS. If you feel that you're in a good health, mental health position, and you want to get the vaccine, and you believe it's going to resolve your problem, then when your time comes up, queue and get the vaccine. I don't believe there is any alternative um, to the South African population right now but to follow the government uh, programs. So essentially, our destiny is in their hands one way or another. Now, finally, from me, Bert, in the interests of those who want to do everything they can to not only protect themselves from catching this virus, to not only ensure that they aren't in a position to spread this virus to anyone, can you talk me through any other methods or treatments and precautions that can be taken to complement the vaccine to get to a point where it will be safe and it will guarantee uh, the prevention of further COVID-19 infections. I'm thinking about all of the people who have taken it upon themselves to resort to um, homemade remedies like uh, recipes that include ginger 
or um, people who, uh, who who regularly use products like VIX, for example, and they, they they use those methods as their way of preventing themselves from catching the virus. Can you please talk me through any sort of treatments and methods that people can consider using to complement uh, the vaccine once they decide, once they take it, having decided uh, to take it? Uh, game, I'm going to start by saying I'm not going to talk about any medical remedies because I'm not a medical doctor. So let me stay away from uh, things I don't really understand. But let me talk a little bit about what I do understand. Um, people will always look for a treatment that is suitable to them. And you've mentioned some people like ginger, and they swear by it that they can drink one ginger tea a day and they're good. And some people will swear by Vicks, that they put Vicks on and they wake up fine. Those are both valid. Ginger is, does have a chemical compound that if you extract it, it does have efficacy uh, that will help with conditions. And the same for Vicks. So when you look at the two extremities, you will, and why does it work for those people? It works for those people because they've been using the product before, they have achieved success with it before, and in the theater of their minds, this works. So the person has a good mental health position to treat themselves with what they know works. Obviously, your good mental health um, may affect the chemistry of your body, but it may not affect the chemistry of your body because you're not measuring. What will affect the chemistry of your body is when you take some pharmaceutical compounds because that is chemistry itself. And the virus or the bacteria or whatever is causing your illness will react with the chemical compound itself. So when people look at treatments that they can take, and um, how effective those would be. Obviously, we don't have anything particular right now for COVID, and we discussed it a little bit previously. I believe pharmaceutical companies and biotech companies will be working extremely hard to come up with the right remedy so that uh, you can have a medicine. But I will say, even when the right remedy is available, game, people that believe in Vicks, and people that believe in ginger, they will still use the Vicks and they will still use the ginger because their minds are comfortable with the outcomes of those products. And life is not clear cut on how it really unfolds. So due to that, there's that space. And you suppose the claims those people make are real for them. But in the broader spectrum of claims, it has to come attached with the scientific data. And it, that scientific data is made available to you by the manufacturer of the product. So uh, it would have gone through regulatory compliance. It would have gone through SAPRA. It would have gone through the NRCS or through the SABS or the various regu regulatory bodies that have to guarantee the product to perform as per the label. So those are really uh, the cruxes of do things work like Vicks and uh, Ginger?
what we can also do, the other methods and the best methods, it's the ones we know. Uh, we know very well that we must keep our physical environment virus-free. And we have now got a lot of information on how to do that. Uh, keep the windows open. Don't meet in closed spaces for more than 15 minutes at a time. Um, one and a half to two meter social distancing. Wash your hands. Uh, wear a mask. Those are all physical things that I think we already have done well. We, It's becoming uh, uh, a process that we know we have to comply to if we don't want to get infected. And the physical environment, of course, uh, is where Biodex has a part to play. We obviously make specialized antibacteria, antiviral products, including anti-COVID. Um, that is the bit Biodex contributes. So we can contribute a chemical compound, be bioactive, that you can use uh, in your physical environment to control the spread of the infection. The second bit you can do is um, the, what we have spoken about, which is your human behavior. And the third bit you can do is, um, if you do get infected, treat yourself to the best of your ability as you know. And apart from those varieties, I don't think uh, there's much more we can do because we cannot live in oxygen bubbles. So again, uh, yeah, it's a global effort and uh, the pharmaceutical industry is playing a part. Um, the chemical industry is playing a part. The retail industry is playing a part. All manufacturers are playing uh, a part. And those 100% uh, efforts by those individual sectors of the life that is yours contributes to the wholeness of us beating this by uh, the next year. I think, please God. Absolutely right. And I'd like to take this moment to echo uh, the sentiment you just uh, signed off on the answer to that uh, question with just now. There is effort from every corner of society to beat this pandemic, but that amount of effort that's been put into the production and the rollout of these vaccines does not negate the part that you and I, as members of the public, as members of society, need to play as well. We all need to continue to wear our masks. We all need to continue to sanitize and wash our hands regularly. We all need to continue to go out of our way to practice social distancing as often as possible, even as the restrictions gradually ease further and further. We've just been in conversation with the CEO of Biodex here on the COVID report, Mr. Bert Rodriguez, talking to us about vaccines and uh, helping us sort through the nitty gritties of the information we have about vaccines, how effective they will be to the effort to fight the COVID-19 pandemic and everything you need to know should you be considering stepping into the queue to take the vaccine when your time comes. Mr. Rodriguez, thank you so much. 
for joining us here on the COVID report. Thank you for the valuable insight you've given us, not only into the operations of Biodex. And again, if you're listening right now, I wholeheartedly urge you to look up the company Biodex. It is spelled B-I-O-D-X. Please look them up and find out um, what they do, find out what they offer, and find a way to engage with the wonderful work that they do. So uh, thank you so much for the insight into Biodex's operations, as well as the insight you've given to us as far as the vaccine rollout and everything surrounding vaccines is concerned. So again, thank you so much for joining us here on the COVID report. Thank you so much, game, and thank you for the opportunity to discuss this matter. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or stream via www.varfm.co.za.